out there in podcast land, and welcome back to the Spoilers, your bad movie review show on the Rat Pack Podcast Network, where your hosts have lots of opinions, but zero credentials. Each week, we watch a movie, usually a bad one, we crack a couple jokes, we give our insight into the film, and we play a couple games at the end. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by the maestro. Hello! And by Cowboy. Five hours later. This week, because of my messed up algorithm, I was led to believe... Penelope Cruz is going to be in a movie called The 355, which I just looked up now. It looks like it's going to be released in January 2022. So that's weird. I got pushed back an entire year in a matter of a week or two. But anyway, we chose a movie that also has Penelope Cruz. From 2017, it is Murder on the Orient Express. This is directed by Kenneth Branagh. It stars Kenneth Branagh, Daisy Ridley, Leslie Odom Jr., Manuel Garcia Rulfo, Penelope Cruz, Josh Gad, Johnny Depp, Judy Dench, and a bunch of other people that I uh, don't want to list. Although the one I did not list was a guy named, I think, Derek something or other, uh, who played the very first time in the 2005 series that we meet the master. It was, uh, De- uh, yeah, Sir Derek Jacoby. Yes, the old guy. Mm. Anyway, let's do a synopsis and then we'll get into our thoughts about the movie. When a murder occurs on the train on which he's traveling, celebrated detective Hercule Poirot is recruited to solve the case. Was that a bad pronunciation? Just just move on. (laughs) Don't just slam your head into your hands and not say anything. All right. So that was that. I got the Hercule part at least. I don't know, thank goodness about that one. They shouldn't say Hercules. Yeah. Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> yeah. So this movie, if we were leaving the theater, what's the first thing that you guys want to would bring up to talk about? Did you know that this movie was made from a book and from I think Agatha Christie? Uh, yes, I did know that. Did you also know that there are several other movies that will be made for? The Hercule Poirot. I assumed as much by the end of the movie. This is oh, also yeah. there, okay. there was also a movie from 1974 that was also yeah. or Murder on the Orient Express. You forgot to also list the main actor, Kenneth Branagh. No, 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 not Kenneth Branagh. I'm talking about the Hercule Poirot's. Um, uh, what's his face? Uh, yeah, pretty much. His, oh, his, uh, his mustache. His mustache. Oh, his mustache. <laughs> Supposedly in the books, he's his mustache is supposed to be so extravagant and amazing that it takes on some sort of like a call sign, if you will. Okay, it was it's, it's quite yeah. extravagant, dude. It went straight to it almost went to his ear. That was crazy. I found it very distracting. I, I couldn't stop looking at it and figuring out because it looked like from one angle it did something, and then from a different angle it did something else. So I, I, I just kept staring at it, trying to see, all right, from this angle, that angle, what is it actually doing? I can't tell. <laughs> I got a chance to look at, take a really close look because I have a really big screen to look at it for. Okay. He had a, the typical mustache where it curls up right, uh-huh. and then he lets the part that's supposed to be part of the beard on the cheek yeah. connect to the mustache and add on to it. So it becomes this huge yeah. deal. His mustache had a backup mustache. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> It's very yeah, very distracting. That, 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 I think that's the the main thing that 
bumped me about the movie was I kept having to look at it and, and kept thinking it's a ridiculous mustache. It doesn't. Mm. I don't understand people that have those kinds of mustaches. Uh, I didn't say ridiculous. My first thought coming out of the movie theater is I want to grow a mustache like that. <laughs> wow. It just it, it looks like it. The, I guess uh, getting to know the character and how he has to have things a very certain way. He likes things to be even, some balance to life and everything. I imagine taking care of that would become a full-time job because if one hair gets out of place on one side, you then have to readjust the mustache to make it match, to make it fit. Which is which is why when he goes to bed, he wears that apparatus. <laughs> To keep his mustache in place. Yeah, I was wondering about that at first. Then I realized to myself, oh, it's a mustache guard. Okay. Yeah. No, that I did. That tickled me. That once we saw it, because I knew exactly what it was as soon as I saw it, and why it was there, and I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, I used to have dreams growing up that I would have something like that for my hair, where it would be like a cone that I wore that. The inside of it was exactly how I wanted my hairstyle to be. So I would. So it's just basically like uh, instead of putting gel in my hair, I just put it in this cone, and it stays the exact same always. Is that the reason why? Is that reason why bald men wear beanies? Well, that's sort of that's sort of what Judy Jetson uses in the Jetsons. Oh, she yeah. wakes up in the morning and the thing comes down, and styles her hair. Exactly. Maybe that's yep. where I got the idea from. That actually yeah. does make sense. <laughs> oh man like that episode where she goes to get her hair done and she <laughs> this thing comes down and she does her hair like 17 different ways and goes no let's just go with the old one yeah. it's kind of interesting actually yeah i know right automation and everything mm-hmm. so uh cowboy you mentioned before we actually started recording that you enjoyed the movie oh did. we didn't do this game has you seen this movie before <laughs> anybody no. No. Several no. times, and I have the book. <clears throat> oh. You've seen this version? This, this that's, that's, that's the thing with cover, and it's got papers in the middle with words, and you actually read the words, Adam. That's what the DVD comes it, in. It, it, no, uh, no, no, no. The book. It's, it's got paper with think words. Of it, to keep the CD think, like <laughs> think of it like a pamphlet. <laughs> think of it like a pamphlet that covers a CD that tells you what's on the CD. But it has a lot more paper. And it just keeps saying the title over and over again? Why would it do that? I don't know. That's the only thing I read on when I pick up a movie is the title. Maybe the is that the reason why we watched like the, that one movie that was in the wrong year? In the wrong year? Yeah, because it was remade. It was a remake. Uh, I think it was Conan. Conan the Barbarian? Yeah, you, you got Conan and then... Um, and then next to it, the one we wanted to watch was Arnold's first movie, Conan, right? Yeah. And then you popped on uh, Conan, the one with Jason Momoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like I liked that one better. <laughs> I definitely like that one much better than Schwarzenegger's version. Oh, pish posh. Had had weird parts, but I was still like, okay, this is still still better than the other one. At least Dude, it's- I'm telling you, Conan the Barbarian with Arnold Schwarzenegger was one of the lamest movies I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, the, only, the only reason why is it was so hard to stay awake during. Yeah, I had to watch it. I had to. I had to do it. I had to watch it in three or four parts because I kept falling asleep. Yeah, I think I did too. <laughs> but yeah, that, really, that's in the archives. If you want to check that one out? That was a, not too long ago, actually. So no, yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, but this movie you did enjoy. 
Yes. What is it about it? I did enjoy. Stuck out to you. It it was like watching um, uh, a movie about the game Risk, or I'm sorry, not Risk, Clue. Clue. It was like watching Clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, oh shoot! Jesus, see, I wasn't prepared for this asking, <laughs> answering this question right now, but it was. Uh, it was like watching Sherlock Holmes and Clue and all these things culminated together in one movie. Um, I liked the period okay. in which it took place. Mm-hmm. And to find out it was a 2017 movie in this period, it, it was it was pretty cool. Um, at, at first, when it first started, I was like, all right, what's this? And then the mustache came on, and I was like, oh, this is intriguing. <laughs> uh, okay, at the exact uh, the, opposite the, the thought. <laughs> The very first scene when he's, you know, it, it sets it up perfectly because he puts his cane in the wall. And you're like, why the hell would you put your cane there, you know? And he's babbling on about this, that, and the other, solving this crime. Um, and, and he's like, uh, right now, could I get an armed guard by the south? Yeah, south exit, gate. You know, because he knew what was going to happen. Like, it's just... I would love to be able to have the abilities that this guy had. And and he explained it. He's like, the reason why he could do this is because he's so used to seeing everything perfect that when it's not, yeah, it jumps out at him. He says he sees the world as it ought to be. So if there's something out of place, it jumps out. Yeah. See, for me, this opening scene set it up to me to expect a much sillier movie. I was expecting a lot more silliness uh, based on this scene because although it was – I liked the whole thing where he figured everything out and was planning for it and it got all got set up. And by the time it was over, you realized he's a brilliant, brilliant man. Uh, but it, it, it came across a little silly. Just uh, And maybe it was because of his crazy mustache that I couldn't take him seriously. So then when it all worked out the way that – he did. It was like, oh, okay. It's going to be one of those. And, kind and of there movies. was there were some lines in the movie that were very funny. That tickled me. You know, I mean, when he first uh, got to his compartment number three, you know, and he's talking to um, McQueen, and and he goes, "Yeah, I'm your bunk." And McQueen has this nasty look on his face, and I can't remember exactly what his comment was. He's like, "Yeah, I feel the same about you." Yeah, he said, <laughs> "You know, he, <laughs> uh, I'm disappointed too, but not nearly as much as you are, or something like that." I, I'm as disappointed as you are. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Or no, I'm as disappointed in you as you are in me. Okay, or some of that. Effect. Yeah, yeah. But then, then when the when the train actually gets derailed, he's his head sticking out of the door. He's like, "Did we die?" Yep. That was <laughs> it's uh for, for me the it's it's hard to talk about this movie because there's not a whole lot of ways we can talk about it it's just they're all on a train there's yep. a death uh he's the detective solving it and he basically interrogates everybody until he gets to an answer yes i i, I didn't like how little we saw of the interrogations but like by the time he came to his conclusion, he put together a lot of things that we had no idea about. So there was, no, there was no way – we didn't have a chance to solve it ourselves really because all the information that he's adding in during his explanation is stuff that we, – we're not privy to this. We, we had no idea any of this was happening or any of the – a lot of it. Some of it we did discover, but a lot of it was kind of – he just happened to know it 
Like what? Can you give an example? Uh, the way he figured out that uh, Penelope Cruz was the maid, um, that, was, that wasn't talked about. Uh, just little, little things like that. And, and that the, the, um, the godmother's caretaker person was also involved somehow. The, the, he connected a lot of dots that we wouldn't have been able to connect ourselves. I, I like mystery movies that they give you all the information there, but they don't tell you how it fits in. And then once they piece them all together, we're like, oh, shit, that's amazing. And it was there the entire time. And we didn't get it. Yeah. Like in Ocean's Eleven. Uh, when, yeah. when the Ocean's Eleven reveal happens, they had clues throughout the entire movie to show you exactly how it was going to end. And it was like, oh, that was fucking brilliant. Because you led breadcrumbs. You left breadcrumbs all over the entire movie. And by the time the reveal happened, it was brilliant. We'll rewatch it again. You see all those breadcrumbs and you see how they got there. With this movie, there's, there was no chance for that. Yeah. A lot of what they said was also time-based because like uh, certain things that he noticed or certain things that happened were also based upon the century that they were living in at the time. So you'd have to, like, for instance, the whole like fire and the graphite and the metal that comes out from the paper, the information, yeah, the type of... uh, the problem people had when they with uh, changing their names to hide who they were, based upon their either like their culture or their background or something like that. Uh, that a lot of that is very alien to some people in this day and age because either a they've never experienced it themselves, or they themselves uh, have never like 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 come into contact with anything like it at all. I mean, it's just like I said, alien to them. Yeah, I, I did like the period of it. I, most period movies I, I enjoy because they're it's, – it's easier to suspend disbelief if it's a foreign, not everyday thing for me. Yeah, but like do you know what Barbatol is for? I do not. Is that used it, to it, uh, it, sanitize scissors and combs? It's, it's – <laughs> uh, Barbatol was meant to be used to make you pass out. Okay. It was like a, so, uh, a flurry. Yeah, basically. It was a huge, like, downer, basically. It was a huge, just, like, knock. It was, what is it called? It's, it might as well, well have been, like, uh, chloroform. But basically, it was ingested and it caused the same kind of effect, just not as quickly. But in small but, doses, um, it, it makes you feel euphoric? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the reason why um, the, the, the Duchess, or not the Duchess, what's her name? The daughter, the one that actually had the dancing, the dancer as the husband? Yes. Yeah. Why? That's why she was constantly loopy. Princess uh, Dragomorph. Dragomirov. No, that's something uh, else. Ah, who cares? Mm-hmm. Ah. Anyways, um, the reason why it was like that was because it was it, you wouldn't be able to literally do anything if you were on Barbatol. Okay. That's what and with the words he used there, you, like the Mickey dropped or whatever. I'm not exactly sure what he said, but um. That stuff would be right over everyone's head if they didn't know what it was talking about. Uh, okay. Uh, make sure you've seen this a bunch of times already. Uh, yes. And you also said you had read the book. Have you read, yeah. have you read this, uh, this book, uh, Cowboy? A lot. Uh, no. No, okay. no, I have not read the book. I, th- I think I did at one point a long time ago, but I don't remember anything about it. So to me, I was not – read. I used to read when I was required to in school, and Agatha Christie was one of my favorite things to read because uh, I, I I loved her books. But I and I don't remember how this one ended. And in fact, 
I, I made a couple theories to Annie as we were watching it of how I think it might end. And I was kind of close on one. Uh, it actually kind of was a combination of the, of the two, but uh, no. Anyway, Maestro, you knowing, the, uh, reading the material, the book. Mm-hmm. Yes. Are you still able to enjoy a movie like this? Yes. Even though you know how, you know how it's going to end? Yes. I, don't, I, 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 I wouldn't be able to do that. I can't. That's why I don't read books. Then they make movies. I'll watch the movie so I can be surprised. I, 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 get, I get it. I mean, for <laughs> me, it's like this. Uh, if I read the book and then uh, watch the movie, um, I, I, I do have whatever I'm thinking in my head from when the book was. But then I see other people's renditions, other people's thought processes of how they go about it. And if they do it well, it doesn't matter to me that they uh, got the information from the book and just put it on film. To me, it's like reliving it again and seeing everything that I was looking at in my head and seeing it actually come to the full a culmination of everything that's actually happened in my head coming to real life with a different face, with a different this, different that. So like, it's more like a creative uh, differences that I like to watch. So it's, it's more fun for me because I get to see it that way. I I guess that makes sense, but I'm also confused then how you can keep watching it. (laughs) For me. Well, I mean, I, I was, I was reading game of Thrones. Okay. Look that I understand. And, and watching the show, but it's the same thing. You know what's going to happen. You know? Yeah, but um, uh, with something I, like I that, read, good. I, I read Angels and Demons, and I read The Da Vinci Code before I saw the movies. Okay, you know what's going to happen. But <clears throat> what I like about doing that, reading the book and then watching the movie, is I I have the ability to I can pick apart the movie and say, oh, that's not how it happened in the book, or you know, whatever. <clears throat> But you can also appreciate how they had to change it because of time constraints, because the way it was in the book is going to take longer to tell it that way mm-hmm. versus what they do in the movie. But what I like to do is when I read a book, I have my own imagination of what these people look like and what this particular setting is and stuff like that to see if in the movie rendition of the book, if it's the same as I perceived it. And sometimes it's not the same as I perceived it. It's better, you know, like mm-hmm. I, it, it adds just more. And it sometimes makes me want to go read the book again to visualize the way they did it in the movie and, and get all that extra information. Okay. Well said, Cowboy. I agree completely. Yeah, so that, that does make sense to me. As, as far as something like Game of Thrones, I can, I can see myself reading that, or at least getting the audio version of it. But I, I, because there's a lot of things to choose from and pull from, and you don't know how they're going to make these things happen, and that could be part of it. But for, with a story like this, it's, it's pretty straightforward of what's going to happen. Uh, the, okay, if you haven't seen the movie or read the books or anything, turns out everybody is a murderer, and they're all in it. In on it together. So knowing that going in and seeing all the interviews with all the people, you know what they're doing. You know what the game is. So how can you enjoy it and just take out of your head that, you no, know, you're the killer and you're the killer and you're the killer. You're all the killer and you're all trying to put one over on the detective. You put yourself in Hercule's uh, position 
And when he's doing the investigation, he's doing the um, interviews and stuff like that, the interrogations and whatnot. Um, it's interesting if you were to read the book and then watch the movie to see these actors and actresses, uh, are they being deceptive, you know, in their interrogations or are they believable, which made it hard for Hercule to determine who it was until he got to the end and started to put all the pieces together. I actually had a feeling it was all of them. Once it came out that, Oh, this person knew Armstrong, this person knew Armstrong, this person knew Armstrong. Then I was like, uh, you know what? They all had a hand in it. They all had a hand in this, you know? And then if you sit back and you think, wait, there's 12 of them. There's 12 stabs. Right. You know, I, it, it, but he had that epiphany at the end of the movie. Ah, I'm looking for one killer, but there's 12. Right. The, the way I thought I was going to go down is they all stabbed him, but it was like one at a time. Like each of them snuck into the room at one point and stabbed him. And cause it was dark, they didn't know he was already dead. They just stabbed him and then left. Somebody else came <laughs> with in. With the same knife? With different like, knives. Oh, hey, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the person stabbed him, left the knife there. And then the other person found the knife, stabbed him, left the knife there. Or they all have knives. I don't know. I, I, I thought that would have been a fun way to do it where they're all guilty, but they all think they're the ones. They, <laughs> so everybody's going like, no, it was me. It was me. I... <laughs> And her and Hercule says like, no, it was neither none of you. You killed a corpse. It was me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm Spartacus. That's that's the kind of how I thought the whole thing was going to end, where everyone confesses because they all think they did it, but they don't realize that they all just stabbed the guy. Yeah, one person killed him, but then everybody else just stabbed the corpse. That's what Mitchell said. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that, that's the thing. Then if if one of the stab wounds killed him. Then all the 11 people didn't kill him. They just stabbed right. the dead body. Yeah, but they're all confessing to it because they think they, they, they actually did it. They don't know he was Well, no, dead. that's the way it is now. They're not all 12 guilty because only one of those stab wounds could have killed him. True. Right? Possibly. <laughs> so then the other 11 were just stabbing a dead person already. So they didn't kill him. Unless they stabbed in a way to keep him alive until the last stab killed him. Yeah. And then in that case, they all would be murderers. Not necessarily. How? Because each one of them would be attempted murder. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I do like watching these, like, um, a whodunit kind of movies, even though, um, like, for instance, you know Castle, the TV show? Yes. And how almost every episode's whodunit. Mm -hmm. But I've watched that series several times and still enjoy it. Yeah, that's fun. But yeah, because th- th- those are just a bunch of different twists, and the fact that there's so many of them, you may have forgotten parts of things. Because I'm rewatching a lot of shows now because of all this lockdown quarantine nonsense, and I'm enjoying it still because I I know where it's going and I enjoy where it's going. But for something like this, this is this is a twist type of thing. This is like a one off, like most Shyamalan movies. Maybe maybe you can watch them twice. Once you know the twist, the whole movie changes. So you may rewatch it to see if you can see the twist. But then after that, it's like, okay, I'm done. I don't. I think the reason why you're having so much trouble with it is because you're not. Are you a fan of Agatha Christie or no? Absolutely, I am. Okay. And if you're a fan of Agatha Christie and you read the books, but you don't remember this. Do you remember the murder on the Nile or no? 
Uh, it's possible. I read a lot of them way back in the day. I don't remember details about a lot of them as well. In fact, Do most you of them care- I don't remember. I just if, remember if we were reading book after book after book. Okay. If we were to wa- read, like, let's say, The Murder on the Nile, and if, let's say, they were to make another movie, would you would like to do that or no? Yeah. Okay. So you want to watch? You want to read the book part on the Nile? I if there's an audio version, I'll, I'll take a listen. <laughs> I, I think we this this is like deja vu because I think I had a conversation with you guys once before of doing like a month or or oh yeah like every, once a quarter uh, we read a book and do the movie version of that book so where we can discuss the book and the movie version and the differences and stuff like that. I like that idea. I'm sure I said that last time as well, but I don't remember. Yeah. You were like, yeah, yeah, you said the exact same thing you just said. Yeah, it's a great idea. Uh, but we need to pick books where they have audio versions of it. Yes. <laughs> that sounds like me. And I, and I think I think I even said I will gift it to you on Audible. Okay. <laughs> or something like to that effect. All right. Yeah. So let's try to remember to talk me- about that after we're done recording so we can set it up for real. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, again, I, I just can't – Imagine watching this with that much information and being able to enjoy it. Even as it is now, I feel like I didn't get enough information. So liking Agatha Christie and not liking this movie I don't think are mutually exclusive because, like I said before, if I was reading the book, then there's a lot of information I'm sure I would have gotten that I did not get from this movie. Uh, all the interrogations, backstories, maybe they had filled in plots, but because this was they had to fit this into two hours, they had to fast track a lot of the interviews and cut a lot of things out. So the information he got, maybe he did get them from the interviews, but we didn't see it. So it's 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 the I, I guess it's the I didn't have a chance to solve this myself, and I didn't like that. That's I think that's what it really boils down to. It, uh, it was it was nice to see um, uh, what's his name? Oh shoot, Johnny Depp. Uh, not play a, a drunk British pirate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of his movies seem to be that that accent, you know, that he's had in Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, Mm -hmm. the same kind of it was nice to see him do something completely the other way. You should watch. I think it's called Public Enemies where he's like a mafia guy. That's a good one. I I think we did that one on the podcast, probably. I don't I don't know. Isn't that the one where he's like bald? No, no, no. no. That was uh, the Black Mass. I did like I did actually I take back I did like him in uh what was it Tourist? Tourist the Tourist? Okay. Yeah. He wasn't like uh Jack Sparrow in that yes. one. He wasn't know? one of his uh myriad of eccentric characters. Edward Scissorhands, yeah. uh the Mad Hatter, Jack Sparrow, the barber yeah. uh Sweeney Todd Sweeney Todd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about From Hell? From Hell I that's the one we did with Christina Ricci, right? Yes. And Christopher, what? No, Christopher what, Walken. No, that's um oh, Sleepy that's, Hollow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I saw from home. Ooh, I think you'd like that. It's it's about the Ripper. Oh yes. And the Hobbit. The Hobbits is is the uh is Sam. <laughs> Why? Oh, Why? Oh, spoilers. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> You're right, my bad. <laughs> You're listening to a podcast called Spoilers, so what do you expect? Uh, yeah, right. So let's talk about the characters then. Uh, Hercule. Right. What would you feel about Hercule, aside from his glorious mustache? <laughs> um, his his uh, 
was it was it semi-neurotic uh, form of need for balance for conformity for um structure being it's, it's part kind of, of OCD, everything right a little bit OCD. yes a little <clears throat> the, okay. the part don't you remember that one part with the eggs at the very beginning <laughs> where he had the kid go back and get another egg because it didn't match mm-hmm. i loved it when he's like looking at the kid he's like we'll blame the chickens yeah <laughs> yeah that was great you know i was expecting him to be an asshole to the kid for some reason yeah but then he was just all cute i was like oh i love i love the i love the kid though he's like it's good it's, bro. It's close. <laughs> maybe <It's> close. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> <laughs> the kid had the smile on his face like he knew yeah fuck <laughs> maybe <laughs> and he's like you have the eggs <laughs> yeah he, he did seem very smart i i do like the way that they made him smart it was believable the way they made him smart yeah his demeanor and the way he was it was very believable yeah i do also like how he turned everyone down you remember how like when they politely were offer- Politely, he does it yes. politely. Yeah. yeah. And even after the guns pointed at him, he's like, thank you for the cake. I enjoyed it. Have a pleasant day. And walks away. Yeah. You know, I'm just like. That is something that I do. It's hard. I can't say I miss about that time. But I, I, I wish it was here. I wasn't there, so I, I can't miss it. But I wish we still had that kind of thing in our society where you can be a dick while also still being polite versus a, hey, fuck you. It's a. Good day, sir. <laughs> it's just, it, it means the same, but it sounds so much better. Then why don't you just like start doing it? I, I am. I, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna start uh, tempering my cursing. I think a lot more. Oh. That's our, that's our show for today, guys. Yeah. Have a pleasant evening, gentlemen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick! I like that. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Like in the the one part. Remember when uh, Johnny Depp was sitting at the cable car uh, dining area. Well, Hercule was um, hanging out and uh, reading, or I think it was, or coffee, or whatever it was. And then mm-hmm. he came down and sat next to him. Yeah. And then had him try the cake, whatever else have you, try to get him to work for him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And how many times he literally just like uh, basically talked down to him the entire time. Yeah. Without even really talking down to him. Right. I, what is it? I, I, I solve. But I keep justice. I don't try to get criminals. I don't. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> what about? Oh, the doctor. Uh, this I, I. As soon as I saw the doctor, this is the uh, the, the doctor Arbuthnot. The first time I saw him, I got a very Denzel Washington vibe off of him, and I I was racking my brain. Where do I know this guy from? I know him from something. He's got he's got a smile about him. He's got a demeanor that I I find very recognizable. That is Sir uh, Alan Burr from Hamilton. Ah, and it blew my brain. And uh, it's it he looks the same. He's got even he's got the mustache thing, but it's the hair. The hair threw me way off. And once I knew it was him, it was I was all in love with it. Uh. It's hard to put a finger on whether he's good or bad, uh, but, but like most people, I guess that that was the intention. Well, I mean, just because you're a bad guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy. Yeah. And then uh, Marquez, uh, <laughs> you may recognize from Six Underground. Yes. Which we did. He was the guy. I was trying yes. to learn a different language. That was fun. 
the only thing the only thing with with him is like all right, okay, he played Marquez and there he didn't look too Hispanic to me in this movie. I had the like same he thought. Could to- he could totally be a white boy. <laughs> like yeah. He could play a white boy. Well, because I, I made that comment to Annie. I was, I was telling her, like, hey, you, that guy, he's from Six Underground. She said, which guy? There's a lot of guys on the screen. That guy, the Hispanic-looking guy. I'm like, Hispanic? I thought he was Italian. Oh, maybe he is Italian. <laughs> maybe Marquez is an Italian name. I don't know. It could be. I don't know. Let's see. How about Josh Gad? Also known as Olaf. Or uh, Bearclaw from New Girl. <laughs> I don't know if you've gotten that far in New Girl yet. Yeah. Oh, okay. dude, did you did you see him in that one, um, I think, Disney film where he played a dwarf that would eat rocks? You're talking about Never Ending Story? No. Josh Gad <laughs> wasn't old enough at that time. So I was eat kidding. Rocks. Uh, yep. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, it's a new movie. I'll come up with the name in a second. Just need to make sure I don't see the wrong one. Okay, it, it's it's weird. Every time I see Josh Gad, it, it confuses me because I I know him as Olaf. I've I've seen him in other roles, and it's it's just it's hard it's hard for me to buy him as an older person. I guess he, he was probably meant to be in his mid twenties or something, but he's he just. He comes across so childish to me that seeing him acting like an adult is is very off putting. Do you get any of that? Do you have that? Just me. Mm. Okay. <laughs> uh, what about Judy Dench? Oh, before you go that, before you go to Judy, um, oh. Josh Gad was in the film Artemis Fowl, which is an interesting. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a children's book or at least a, a teen's book. About uh, or at least I hope the book I haven't read it yet. If there is a book, but it's about um, it's about a, a, a spy father that has a son that becomes a spy in he in Ireland, and it deals with the Fae and how um, all the folk stories and of and of and in the and the untold like non history but like folklore is true. And it's pretty crazy. Okay. Josh Gad plays a dwarf in that film, and he eats rocks. All right. See, I, I think I'd buy him more in that role than I would do did in this role. Just wait until you see him. All right. Uh, Judy Dench, you may also recognize from the Bond films of the more recent era. She came across to me very curmudgeonly. I think that was the point of it. But to the point where I didn't believe she was part of this giant elaborate scheme. She, she came across so crotchety that I couldn't see her working well with others or being part of a team at all. So when, when, the, when the big reveal happens that they all were in it, on it together to kill this guy, her being in that room, it didn't, didn't fit for me. Just me again? Okay. Oh, uh, what, 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 Judy Dench, what's her, I don't know her by her real name. What's her, What's who is she play in the film? Uh, Princess uh, uh, Dragon Marfrey. The, the, the old, older lady. The older lady that um, needed everything done a certain way, wouldn't talk to the help, uh, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Well, yeah, but like you knew that was an entire act too, though. That's not how they normally act. But uh, it, her character to me was believable as a 
bitch, basically. I, I, yeah. bought, I bought that hook, line, and sinker. Like, like when she sat, when they were sitting in the, the, the dining car and she tells her servant, her, her hand, you know, order me the fish. And the, the lady orders fish, but not this fish. She wants this fish and not this. She wants this and not this. She wants this. And I liked when Hercule looks and goes, hmm, that sounds good. I'll have that. Yeah. And then she looks at him like, how dare you copy me? You right. know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I almost expected her to tell the servant, change my order. I'm not going to have what he's having. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the now, fact, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say from, from my perspective, watching this movie, uh, these 12 people had this planned to kill, um, ratchet yes. on the train. Yes. They obviously did not plan for Hercule to be on the train. Correct. Right. And they knew who he was. And they still went ahead and did it anyway. Oh, that's a good point. The greatest detective. Yeah. And you're still going to try and pull this over. Unless he was supposed to be there. Is there any chance he was supposed to be part of this whole thing? No. I don't think so. No, it was not. I mean, the only reason why he got on the train in the first place is somebody didn't check in in time, and they bumped him from the train. Right. But that's th- that's why that's why McQueen, when he first saw him, he's like, oh, "I don't think you're supposed to be here." You know, like he had that look of, "What the fuck are you doing here?" You know. Oh, right, because the whole thing was supposed to be booked with all the insiders. Yes. Which means it's even more curious: who's the one missing? Maybe it was nobody. It was probably a fake, a fake buy-in. We need to buy out the entire cabin, but we can't fill the cabin, so we need to make up this person to buy a ticket. That makes, that makes a lot sense. more sense. You I, read the book. I, <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Also, the, uh, the, 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 the queen or the emissaries, the, whatever those people are, the ones that were on the... The ones who had the diplomatic immunity, they were in the back and the bar yes. Hall. Were they part of the murder? I don't recall seeing them yes. in the room. They were in the yes. room? Yeah. Okay. It was like a clown car at a certain point. They're all coming out of the room. <laughs> like, how did you all fit in there? There's no way you all fit in that room. I don't think they all fit in the room. I think they took turns. They went around, didn't they? No, they were all in the room at the same time to stab. And then, and if I recall correctly, you think the, oh, we haven't gotten to this guy yet. Willem Dafoe. Was the first stab? I ah, believe. yes, Willem Dafoe, the Green Goblin, and also from Boondock Saints. This guy is awesome in everything he does. Uh, he, he did well in this movie as well. He was so he's he worked for the um, was it the Peabodies. What is, the, what is the name of the Pinkertons? Pinkertons. That's right. And no, he did not. He's a cop. Yeah, the, 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 he wasn't a Pinkerton. He was a cop, ex cop. Yeah, I I enjoyed him in this role because he's just fun to watch. I just want to see what are you going to do next? What are you going to do? How are you going to? So he basically he pretended to be a German guy, uh, a very racist German yes. guy. <laughs> well, if you're going to go German, go full German, especially <laughs> around that time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so he was fun. He's he's fun to watch. Uh, but again, going back to the whether or not Hercule was supposed to be on there. He, did he decide in that moment, oh, there's a detective here. I need to put on this character. Was something he was planning the entire time. 
That, that's where things get kind of out of line for me as far as what was supposed to actually happen. Hold on there. Cowboy's muted. Sorry. I think, I think their plan, <laughs> honestly, was always to pretend like they didn't know each other. They yeah, didn't want to all. Yeah. They didn't all want to be like buddy buddy and know each other. <clears throat> That's kind of why on the boat, the doctor and the other girl, when they were talking, they weren't talking like side by side like they knew each other. Right. He was saying something to her behind her back, and she was kind of like, "Once this is all done with, then we don't have to hide anymore. You know, then we don't have to pretend we don't know each other. Once this is all done." Yeah, but for you whose know, benefit is that? If they have the entire car and they're all inside people, then who are they acting for? They're, you still have the, the train car conductor and stuff like that and other people that could be on the, the – just not in that car. They're in other cars, you know? Yeah, the help for one, the people that were um, – Oh, right. Yeah, because this is like was a three-train uh, – uh, service is like has like a the caboose, the dining car, the 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 living car, and then the train itself. So there's like three or four in the entire line. Yeah. So there are people that are cooking. There are people that the they they where they sleep and stuff like that too. That's right. Mission. I forgot what those people. How okay. could you? <laughs> those people. Hmm. I have no interest in those people. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I guess by the end of it, we realize that they all are connected because Ratchet killed the the mom, and the no, Ratchet killed Daisy, the daughter, the, the daughter, right? And then the mom died in labor in prematurely, labor. and the father offed himself from suicide because he couldn't handle the 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 the, the strain and of the depression. So the entire family got killed off and all these other people are either related by work or by the trial or by distant blood relations. Except for the, the girl that's on all the drugs. She's the daughter what? that survived. The, the, the one she was pregnant with apparently, right? Is that, is that, I, no, I, no, I, that, I that, that daughter died. Yeah. That daughter died. So, but one, one of the daughters survived. <clears throat> she was the daughter of the actress, wasn't she? Yes. She was okay. So at the end, if you remember, the actress actually took her wig off, and it was actually her, Linda Harden, or something like that. I thought that was the mom, Arden. Wait, oh, no, no, yeah, no, Linda, 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 Linda Arden was the the uh, actress that was. It's the sister of. Uh, uh, it's the aunt, I believe, of Daisy. Daisy, okay, Daisy's aunt. Oh, so that makes the that makes the girl that's in the back of the train the diplomatic immunity whatever you yeah. know um, Daisy's cousin. I guess so. Yeah, I th- yeah. I thought she was one of the kids that was thought to have died but didn't <clears throat> die. No. And then the girl with the wig was the mom that also maybe didn't die. Or what the f- no. No, <laughs> so uh, everyone it, the, there was a four-person family, I believe, right? Mother, father, daughter, and the baby that was unborn. Right, right. Yeah. They all died. Okay. Everyone else, everyone else is related to them by blood or by uh, relation, or, like or, having or a relationship. relationship. Yeah, except for um, working I, for them. Yeah, yeah, except, working for them or by blood, and I think except for <clears throat> the I think. Uh, 
the Green Goblin. The doctor, the doctor, the doctor was uh, um, in the his, same regiment his, as his captain was Ar- Mr. Armstrong. Right. Yeah. Yes, William Defoe was in love with the person that got uh, set up for the crime. Yeah, uh, as and well as Josh Gad's character was the one, the son of the dad, who was forced to yeah prosecute the the, the, the nanny. No, not the McQueen. Nanny. McQueen didn't have any connection to Armstrong except for his dad was the one that was trying the case. Yes, right. but his dad, uh, his dad lost everything because yeah. of that. And he and was pushed into um, the to that prosecution for that lady as the scapegoat, and right. he and he was he didn't want to do it, but he had to. He was forced to do that, and it was against his own principles. And he went like super like like well, he got depressed about that too. Yeah, and then when everything came out of it being Concita or Casita or whatever his name is, uh, he felt like a fool. Mm-hmm. Because then they had all the evidence on that guy, but they tried somebody else and killed them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, maybe they covered this, but in case they didn't, what's the time span you think from the murder mm-hmm. to retribution? I think about two days. No, no, no. the the when when uh, Ratchet the, killed. The, 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 oh, oh. Uh, I, I would say a matter of uh, probably a year. A year? I was thinking maybe. it was a lot longer than that. I thought this was conceived over maybe the course of five to ten years. Well, he did say that. Okay, well, well, Ratchet had to get um, um, his uh, ducks in the line, become a fake art dealer or a fake antiques dealer. So at least um, has to had to be at least more than a year, okay. at least two, because mm-hmm. he had to. He had to first make money to do that. What he, what he was doing, and Gad had to siphon off but tons of thing, money from here's, him too. Here's the thing: McQueen was twenty days short of working for him for a year. Oh shit! You're right. Good point. Good point. Good point. So, so, so it's about uh, a year. Then. At least because he had to. At least yeah. Ratchet had to actually have his business first. Yeah. So that's the only thing that's a little obscure: the amount of time for him to create his business. Wow. Okay. If it wasn't already done, but then why would he be a hitman? You know, or uh, anything else? Unless he did that because it was a someone had been pulling the strings and he had to make money off of the kill, but he was sloppy. You see, and, and this whole this whole conversation we're having now to me is my biggest with the movie. There wasn't enough information given freely. Uh, you kind of have to dig for it. Uh, well, what's wrong with that? No, uh, it's. If, if I were to watch this multiple times, I probably would have a better grasp on how things went down. But there was still a lot of information that that uh, Hercule knows that we will never have found out ourselves. Well, he's the detective. Yeah, screw him. I'm not a botanist, you know. Yeah, right. All right. I think I'm done here. I didn't take any notes because it was really hard to take notes because there was not a lot of things that jumped out at me. It was just this, this movie happened to me. It was, it was just there and um all right let's see where you go no, nothing jumped out at me really to have to write anything down so check this out i have not only read the book watched the movie i've also watched the play oh that would be interesting i'd be down to yeah. watch a play yeah because plays are just awesome always eh, yep. most of the time <laughs> no it was good it was good yeah okay mm-hmm 
Uh, damn it. I lost it. I was going to say something I forgot. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we move on to the, the rest of the show and the games? The, uh, the, the part where Hercule was running after McQueen when McQueen got off the train and started going down the, uh, the, the bridge. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, what was that about? And 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 he falls. Yeah, uh, he he falls like at least ten feet down to the next level, right onto his back. And he's he's a pretty agile older guy, you know. I mean, because he popped right back up and goes, "Hey, you stay right there," you know. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm only forty one, but <laughs> you know, he was he looks like he was probably older than me. You know, in this movie, if I would have fallen 10 feet from one platform to another right on my back, I'd probably be there for a while. I, I, I'd gotten some socks last year for Christmas and coming down the stairs, I slipped and I fell down maybe three or four stairs and I laid there for a good five minutes. <laughs> There's, I was, yeah, no, you're right. That's not a quick recovery thing. Hell no. <laughs> I guess it's a little different, I guess, because when I fall off the uh, first story building, uh, I got up okay. I, I will tell you, not too long ago, by maybe two, maybe three years ago around this time, I did fall off a ladder that was about eight feet high. Oh. And landed on my side in the front yard. I was sore. But I popped up pretty quickly. Yeah. Okay. Those but I think that might have that might have just been adrenaline to make sure I was okay because I popped up and then my shoulder was sore for about two or three weeks. Yeah. You know that okay. would make sense too because like you know Carol was had like a ton of like adrenaline trying to catch him too so maybe that's what did it. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Now, uh, and uh huh. No. Go ahead. I know Gad was out there because he had to destroy the paperwork. Yeah. linking him yeah. to any type of like criminal act. Now, I'm going to need Cowboy to um, verify this. There was a time I fell down from a basically standing position while trying to ride one of those hoverboards. How long was I on the floor <laughs> after I fell? So it felt uh, like a very long time to me. <laughs> you, you were on the floor. For, I, I would have to say it wasn't any longer than a minute, but you were rolling on the floor. Okay. <laughs> You, you clutched your elbow and were basically rolling on the floor. It, no, it, you know what? It had to be about a minute or so because okay. I had to help you up off the floor. It felt like a lot longer than a minute for sure. And, and, and <laughs> you know, not to, not to be mean or anything, but this was like 2013. So you were <laughs> eight years younger than you are now. Okay. Well, people age differently. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I, I, I just, I, I, you know, I don't care how old you are. Um, when you're older, you seem to fall harder. Yeah. You know, and that was like, uh, <laughs> that was like sporadically slipping on a banana peel. Like the hoverboard just I, completely... Yeah. Flew out from underneath you. He's just like, whoop, bam, right. straight to the floor. I remember that. You'll never touch one of those things again. I will not. You're <laughs> right about that. Uh, I, I, 
I do wonder if it's not based upon age, but the angle and the force. Because I know um, hit, falling flat from like let's say eight feet without the velocity needed, just like just pure, just falling down slowly. I don't know if that's as quickly as if you were to uh, fall down um, with your legs kicking up at the same time, causing your back to go down further, causing more pain, or if the possibility of <clears throat> well, there was something else, but I forgot it as I was going through this bit. I imagine the concussion even just if your back hits the floor at that speed, your back's going to have some injury, but your head is also going to hit. Once your back hits, your head is going to whip back and also hit the floor. Oh, uh, there is actually people that are trained. So that doesn't happen. I don't think and, this and guy's trained. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. He's uh, the greatest detective ever, but yeah. uh, you, you also, you also got to realize that he landed on a platform made out of wood. So there was some probably bounce in it as well. The boards uh, moving I do, a little bit. I agree oh. with Cowboy. I've fallen <laughs> on several things before. Wood and metal. Like, you know, those like framed metals, things yeah. like grates. Those are a lot more comfortable than falling on cement. Much more comfortable. The metal? Yeah, because there's a because metal has a give as well. It, it kind of bounces oh. just like the boards. <laughs> so I feel like... Adam, just, you, you fell on concrete. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's that's why I was down for so long. Uh, no, I just I just got reminded of this uh, Darkwing Duck episode where he, Darkwing Duck was practicing uh, chopping wood, and some somebody that Darkwing Duck was trying to impress, he chopped the wood, and Darkwing Duck said, "Well, that's easy. Wood doesn't fight back." And then he tried to chop it, and the wood bent in a way that slingshot at him across the room. <laughs> like, oh, I guess wood does fight back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, last thing I, I guess we should mention at the end of the movie uh, Professor I was going to say Clouseau um, no Her- Hercule is left with the dilemma once he finds out everybody is the killer do I let them off or do I not because he even tells them you have to kill me which I thought was a test when he put the gun down somebody shoot me with a gun that didn't have any ammo in it just to find out if they were capable of murder so that he could, with a clear conscience, say they're not the murdering type. They just needed this justice for themselves. Well, makes you say that that wasn't what he was doing. I think, I think that's, that's what he was doing. Yeah. Because I think part of, it, part of him could not let it go. But in order to be able to let it go with a clear conscience, they need to prove to me that they're actually not murderers. So I'll give them a weapon, tell them the only option for you to get out of this is to kill me. Cause I will turn you all in. And then once it was apparent to him that they're not the murdering type, even though they all did stab a guy to death, uh, he was able to say, fine, I'll just live with this unequal thing in the world. Like probably my mustache most days and then walk away. It was a little weird to me. And then he told the guy to fix his tie. Yeah. All right. I think we're done here. So, that was our opinion of the movie. But like I said at the top of the show, we have lots of opinions, but zero credentials. Now we're here. Now, now we'll hear. Now let's hear. Let's read some reviews. We're going to play Rotten Tomatoes again. I do have a question for you. Okay. Sorry. Uh, it just popped back into my head. Um, 
would you guys like to watching this movie these guys being on the car the 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 train taking three-day trip on a train in this time period um the the guy whose uncle who owns the train company yes and he conducts this train basically does the business on this train he keeps track of this train and whatnot his life is basically on this train meeting women and and you know living this life yes um, and, and paying them for it, sex is is not not the paying for sex, but uh, <laughs> in this time period, isn't it intriguing? Wouldn't you like to do something like that? Wouldn't that be like a life you would like to like, you know, have the ability to just jump on a train and go for three days to whatever is waiting for you on the other side? The the venture of the unknown, yeah, the possibility of something new. Because yeah. monotony of society has gotten to you and you feel like you need to expunge yourself from the existence of what politics and the life has given to you. But but that that was the monotony of life back then for a lot of people. Yeah. That was life. So, I mean, back then, I mean, you think about it because back then that could have been their monotony of life versus our monotony of life today, which is sitting in your car if you drive – for an hour to work and then an hour home. that's your travel, you know, but yeah, I don't know. I think that'd be intriguing to just get on a train for a couple days. Absolutely. I, I love traveling. Uh, every time I have to travel for work, it, it is a, a fantastic experience for the travel itself. Also being in a new place by myself, not knowing anything and figuring my own way around that, that is exhilarating to me. Uh, in my my current life, where I have a daughter and uh, <laughs> own a house, I can't imagine I'll get the same pleasure. But if I was untethered, I definitely would be traveling as often as I could. If, if my job yeah. required me to fly around all over different places, solving problems, get there, solve a problem, fly somewhere else, solve a problem, living in hotel rooms, that's that sounds amazing to me. I, I enjoy the that adventurous. Side, uh, do you think that it's only because you don't do it now that you feel like that? Because what happens after six to eight months of doing this? Don't you have a, a wish to come home to unwind to put up roots? I don't know, man. Because I'm I'm a very curious person, so I like to talk to people and figure out different things. That's basically the reason I do the podcast. To have when I interview people on the podcast. It's because I'm, I'm curious about everything. So I going to different places, finding out about every other thing that is outside of my norm, that is intoxicating. I I love it, and I I mean even in that. the movie, her, even in the movie, Hercule needed a vacation. Okay. He was trying to get time off. He was trying to go on vacation, and then he thought, "Oh, I got this next case, but I got to take a train. It's going to be three days of just." You know, Dickens and <laughs> yeah. relaxing, and yeah, he was reluctant to take this case on the train right. until his his friend convinced him. Yeah, you know. I guess at a certain point it would get old, but I I couldn't imagine it right now. <laughs> Once I got there, eventually I probably would get tired of it after a few decades, uh, and then maybe <laughs> pick up roots. 
But yeah, if I had no attachments, I would love that life, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with that life. Uh, I do tend to um, get bored of the monotony of life. You know? Yeah. Something be- something becomes routine day in and day out, day in and day mm-hmm. out, day in. It's like, I'm, I'm tired of this shit, you know? I need something different. I need something sporadic. I need some excitement, some adrenaline. Mm. Yeah. I for me I um I don't need the adrenaline but I do need the change if it makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I get you. Because even if you go take a vacation for 5 days and you come back to the same monotony of life, yeah. you're just still there. You you know, oh, hey, I took a 5-day vacation. Now I got to go back to the same old boring shit. You need that change. Mm-hmm. in routine change in life change in not necessarily even lifestyle just you know something different you know get yeah bored. yep i get bored easy what are we doing here we're gonna be some reviews <laughs> from the critics uh <laughs> oh, yeah. that's what we're doing yeah so well, i like this show it's an adventure every time it's like choose your own adventure right uh so we're gonna play the rotten tomatoes game pretty soon uh, to help you guys with your guessing, I'm going to read you some reviews from the top critics and the audience. So, if you're not familiar with the Rotten Tomatoes scoring system, it's an average score from 0 to 100 amongst the critics and the audience. 0 to 59 is rotten, 60 to 84 is fresh, 85 and up is certified fresh. So, I'm going to have you guys first guess the audience. And to help you out, let's do some good reviews from the audience. This is from Betsy B. Sumptuous, gorgeous locations, moving performances. I even shed a tear. Delightful entertainment for the whole family. Does not disappoint. This is from Angela P. The best movie out, and that has been for a while. The acting and casting in this movie was so extremely well done, it made you feel like you were there inside of the movie. I can't wait until this comes out on DVD. I literally left the movie wanting to go and watch it again. Wow. Uh, high praise. Uh-huh. Let's <laughs> do some bad reviews. It's from uh, Therese L. Cinematography and costume design is amazing, but the actual plot execution sucks. Everything felt out of place, and at the end, it felt like there's no revelation at all. Melanie K. Great actors, impressive cinematography, but somehow awful, boring, very, very disappointing. I have to agree, the cinematography was amazing. Some of those shots were awesome. The way they they just shot the things, especially the last scene when they, they come up to the people inside the tunnel. I, I that was great. I should have been I should have been the poster right there. All right. Anyway. So that was the audience reviews. What do you think the audience rated this movie from oh, zero to hundred? Seventy-three. Oh, good question. That's a good number. Uh, I will go with eighty. All right. The audience has this as rotten. No. <laughs> At fifty-three percent, he just muted himself in the middle of a scream. That was weird. All right. Uh, let's do the tomato meter. Top critics. 
Start with the bad first. This is from Rex Reed from Observer. While Bernard's revised version retains the basic elements, the mistakes he makes are numerous. Stephen Witte from Newark Star Ledger. The picture simply goes on too long and is far too in love with Bernard's performance. That's a little telling considering he directed... <laughs> so yeah, I did great. I was a great actor. Focus on me more. <laughs> Good reviews from the top critics. April Wolf from the Village Voice. There's something quaint and comfort and comforting about this film and its brand of old-fashioned storytelling, where coincidences are extremely likely. Everyone somehow knows a countess, and a man puts honor above all else. <clears throat> Karen Hahn from Slash Film Every cast member is superb and it's a gorgeous movie to look at How much its flaws stand out depends entirely on how much you're willing to buy into its earnestness which is an impossible which is impossible to miss <laughs> which is as impossible to miss as Bernard's mustache All right, those are the top critics. What do you think the top critics rated this movie? Uh, you can go first, Maestro. Oh, this is rough. Uh, they did, honestly, there was a lot of uh, truth behind all that, what they said, too. Uh, 50. Uh, 43. The Tomato Meter has this movie as fresh. At six, <laughs> 60%. Barely fresh. Wow. Barely. All right. This should be interesting. Wow. I should have gone with my first thought. What was that? But then, uh, I was going to say 61, but but then Maestro went low. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, maybe he's on the right path because we went high for the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shit. Okay. I'm going with my first thought from now on. Okay. Uh, let's see what your thought is about this. Paul Giamatti and Gary Oldman were not in this film. We like to play a game where we replace actors with these two people because they're generally make movies better. So if you had to take somebody out and replace them with Paul Giamatti or Gary Oldman, who would it be? I actually tried thinking about this while I was watching the movie. Yeah. And then the thought about it escaped my mind. But <laughs> I, I, was, <clears throat> I was thinking Paul Giamatti would be a good McQueen. That's a good choice. That is. That's a very good choice. Solid. Josh Gad out. <laughs> All what right. about what about Gary Oldman? Gary Oldman would be a good doctor. Albert not? The the yeah. Wait, the the doctor. black dude or the white dude? Okay, oh wait, not the white dude. That's my bad. He's not doctor. Yeah, but he was in Doctor Who, so that's where my thing. Never mind. Ah. Uh. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm saying that the doctor in this movie, the black dude. Okay. See, I like Oldman as the detective. I <clears throat> he's fine, but I think Gary Oldman could pull that off much better, and even better than Oldman, I think Christopher. I, Waltz. I, I, I think I think Gary Oldman would do a good uh, Ratchet. Yeah, but that's not enough screen time for for an Oldman. No. Not for an old man, but for Johnny Depp, right? <laughs> yes. 
<clears throat> but like uh, Christoph Waltz, the guy from uh, Django and uh, Insidious Bastards, him as a detective would have been amazing to me. But I'll take an Oldman uh, in this case. And, and Giamatti, I think I would have had as... Oh, I guess the, uh, the, the the white guy that I thought was the doctor because he was from Doctor Who. He didn't do much, uh, but he could have made things interesting. Was he the butler? No, he was the... He served with uh, Armstrong. That was Appert not. He was the the black guy. Oh, the, who? the 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 doctor, the black guy doctor in the movie, uh, was the one who served with uh, Armstrong. No, then the 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 older white man. That was that was the valet. The, that was that was Ratchet's butler, right, or valet or whatever. Oh, yeah. Okay. Butler. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> who cares? So, I would say old man had the toothache, right? Yes. Yes. Slash, <laughs> or, or was the lungs, or was the skin? It's the thyroid. 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 Right. Thyroid. Yeah. Okay. So, I would say uh, Josh Gad's a good choice for uh, Giovanni, like you were saying. I do also feel like um, he would. The I want. I would like to see what, how uh, uh, Oldman would have portrayed uh, the same guy that did the the Pinkerton. Will, you're taking William Defoe out? Yeah. How dare you? No, don't how dare me. Think about it. <laughs> think think about it. I mean, yes, William Defoe did a good job. Right? Yeah. But what would you want? Would you like to see Oldman do the exact same thing? See how he would do it? I'd be curious, but I I, I think I might still defer to Defoe. No, you're probably right. Because I saw him <laughs> in the movie that he played uh, – the bad guy from um, Spider-Man. Hitman's Bodyguard. <laughs> the movie we were supposed to watch, but instead watched Mixed Nuts. Yeah, I oh. feel so bad about that. <laughs> I missed that one. God I missed it. Damn it. <laughs> Check out the archives from Mixed Nuts. Uh, Adam Sandler, abortion. Uh, he wasn't even the main character. It was Steve Martin, right? If Steve Martin was the main guy? Yeah. Oh, God, that sucked. Uh, right. Anyway, let's move on. Let's do trivia. This is a part of the show where I give you guys little bits of facts or information you may not know about the film. Johnny Depp asked Sir Kenneth Branagh to apologize to Sir Derek Jacoby, which was the toothache guy, after filming the scene together because, quote, I had to shout at him. I don't want to shout at Derek Jacoby. That's a classy move, I think. Uh, Seneth, uh, Seneth, Sir Kenneth Branagh was aware of the over-extravagance of his character's mustache, but he justified it by the fact that there were 15 quotes in the original novel mentioning the mustache. That's what Mesha was saying earlier. The mustache was a big thing in the, in the book, apparently. Big screens with animations of moving landscapes were installed on the set to create the visual effects of a moving train. Josh Gad experienced some motion sickness during the filming due to this. Much of the cast and extras are made up of Sir Kenneth Branagh's closest friends and acquaintances, with many of them having either been directed by Branagh, uh, co-starred with Branagh, 
and or have been a member of Bernard's theater company. Uh, Jacqueline Bissett, who starred in Murder of the Orient Express and from 74, told Kenneth Bernard how excruciating it was to shoot the extended scene in which the murder was revealed. To avoid this feeling amongst the actors and actresses in this version, Bernard shot his side as Perot first, cut wherever he could when shooting the actors and actresses up close, and, and did everything to make sure the whole cast spent as little time as possible on set during the lengthy scene. So this is that whole clown car scene I was talking about where everybody's in the room, everybody's coming out. It didn't seem tough to shoot. I, I wasn't taken aback by it except for the whole fact that they were all in the room, but whatever. Uh, the cast often played the popular party game Werewolf on the weekends. You, you guys play Werewolf? You know about this game. I think I, I think Ultimate, I have Ultimate Werewolf. Yes, I have your version of Werewolf. I think still yeah. in this house. You do. Yeah, Penelope Cruz, seemingly being the most innocent player, resulted in her often winning the games. That's fun for me. <laughs> That's a fun game. It's kind of like the uh, board game version of Among Us. Uh, if for younger generation, that's a fun game as well. Anyway, money makes the world go round. I want to put this film in perspective with other films that were released this year, so you get a feel financially how it held up to its peers. The budget for this film: fifty-five million dollars. What do you think this grossed worldwide, U.S. and domestic combined? Oh, fifty-five million. Not to mention, this is based upon Agatha Christie's novel, which is. is a huge... It's a big deal. Um, yeah. It's a huge book. It's a fantastic book. It's the hugest, most awesome... Stop, it, Stop it now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tremendous book. There's been no books like this book in the history of the books. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, 243. 243? Mm-hmm. Very ah, specific. Good, yeah. Uh, that's a good number, too. Enough to make them know that you're going to go watch it again because they're making another film, too. <laughs> uh, 50, at least 200. So 200. I'll do 200. All right. In the U.S., this grossed $102.8 million. In the foreign box office, this grossed $250 million. So you're telling me that if Cowboy and I put our numbers together... We're almost dead on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because I said two fifty, we'd still be a hundred thousand, hundred million off. Well, the total worldwide is then three fifty two point eight million dollars, and we'd be four fifty four four forty three. Yep. Uh, this film debuted on November third, two thousand seventeen, with twenty eight point seven million dollars <throat> in the U.S. This okay. was the thirty fourth highest grossing film of two thousand seventeen. Number one that year. Star Wars, Episode Eight, The Last Jedi. I feel like you saying Star Wars like that means you're not a fan. Uh, well, because last week Star Wars also won. <laughs> was, number, <laughs> was, was number one. Uh, ah, you know, it's like damn it, all these Star Wars. That's murder on the more. Uh, what murder on the Orient Express? 
from 2017. Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Kenneth Bernard. Check out our website, ratpackpodcast.com slash spoilers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Spoiler Show. Check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Rat Pack Productions. Write to us via email, spoilers at ratpack.productions for any questions, opinions, or movie requests. If you review our show on Apple Podcasts and also give a recommendation, that will go to the top of our list and we'll watch it before any of the movie. All right. Next week, we have another movie. There's a movie coming out, hopefully. We'll see. <laughs> Since, since this week and last week, it didn't work out that way. There's supposed to be a new movie coming out by Liam Neeson. So we're doing another Liam Neeson movie. And this is an older one. I've never even heard of this before. It's called Dark Man? I think it might be a superhero movie. I don't know. I know nothing about this. Oh, yeah, it's a superhero movie, is all it? right. Okay. <laughs> it is from 1990, so barely missing my cutoff for movies that I would watch on purpose. So let's find out how that one goes next week. Until next time, I am Adam. I am Cowboy. And I am confused. Sounds right. What? What? What?